0: at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Time for the playoffs now. Time for the playoffs now. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. Are you guys ready? Look at me.
2: What are you doing? Yeah, what I'm are bobbling, you doing? I'm
1: bobbling around. I'm so excited. Not
2: on, <laughs> not on rhythm. I'm so confused. Not has not never in rhythm. been accused you, of having
0: great do rhythm. You,
1: do you know me? Not in what's rhythm? Your, uh,
0: what's your go-to dance move at a wedding? When, like, Don says, Jud, I need you on the dance floor for two yep. songs. That's it. Are yep. you, like, a thumbs out? Are you a shoulders dancer? Just, what's I'm it? sort of a role. What's your thing? I'm
1: sort of Mr. Roboto dancer. Like, I've got, like, a shuffle of, like, four... No, I don't do that part. But like my legs, like I try and move in a box. So like I'm over, up, over, back, over. So like yeah, I'm un- sort of, be
0: unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So like I'm, I'm very much like a uh, a uh, PK in, in hockey. I play a box formation of dancing, and that's what I do. But yes, I am the most. I have. It's funny because my dad loved to, to dance. My dad had rhythm. It was phenomenal. Oh, I have zero like it's not even debatable judd not is
2: like, El- elaine from seinfeld out there just take,
0: spazzing
1: take some uh, you know judd take some lessons
2: uh-uh no. ain't gonna work you need the alexander hitchens you just you stay at home right here this is you and not nothing else you, you just, know what you stay that's at home. me
1: that's me after a couple of drinks probably okay but the more drinks the more, the oh, oh,
0: I see. So, after, after only a couple drinks, I'm you're, probably, you're I probably home. am, but after like a conservative eight dancer,
1: but after eight drinks, it's oh. all over. And you better oh, yeah. watch out because I will bowl you over on the dance floor. <laughs> He's just shoulder checking people.
0: Uh, all right, it's Feedback Friday here on Mackie and Joe, where we just take a batch of your questions and concerns and critiques, whatever you want to send to us via the Scorn Earth app. We always check out the Scorn Earth YouTube channel, Purple Daily YouTube channel as well. Let's start with this one here. Uh, Yi Vang chimes in. I live behind enemy lines in Madison, Wisconsin. Love watching and listening to Score North and Purple Daily. Watching you and Alex Boone fill breakdown tapes is awesome. Thank you for uh, for that compliment. I have a question. Can you see Ed Donatel using Josh Metellus more and use a three-safety, one-linebacker look so the defense can have more speed to cover Daniel Jones? Wow. I mean, Metellus does have the captain's C now. It's just a thought I had while listening to KOC talk about Metellus being a captain. Love you guys. Skullvike. Let's win one before we die. Let me just expand this question to be, what would you do if you were Ed Donatel? Would you, would you shuffle pieces here? Okay. So this is, I think I suggested this in preseason. I thought it would be
1: uh, a potential Louis scene might get used. And I believe I called it the, uh, the big dime because you you would have the extra corner in shannon sullivan and then you would bring scene in at the time and kendrick's would be the linebacker and the only one on the field for the vikings uh we might have seen this like once or twice i don't feel that we saw this much so no i don't think they're going to do that uh i th- i think the key piece is is asamoa playing coming back from his knee didn't play against the bears he practiced yet uh, yesterday uh brian asamoa because if you look at his his body type, he looks like a safety. He does mm-hmm. not look like a at all traditional linebacker. So, And he played, again, a season-high 27 snaps in the game against the Giants, uh, forced a fumble, recovered it, certainly proved his worth in that game. So to answer the question, no, I don't think that they actually employ what I thought they might for a while, which is a third safety. I do think if Osamoa can play, he will play.
0: I think they are going to ride or die largely with the veterans on this defense. I think it's going to be – you're going to see some Brian Asamoah because he did play a season high. You brought this up yesterday, 27 snaps against yep. the Giants. Didn't he mm-hmm. force that fumble too Yep. and recovered it? Now, he also got torched a little on that play in coverage. He took a wrong step. But he could it, keep it up was with a, the guy. It, it was a huge gain, but he tracked him down, exactly. made a play, right? Yep. He's not great in coverage, but he is the fastest linebacker that they have, and Daniel Jones is very mobile. Daniel Jones, too. We played a couple of clips on that Trenches episode with Booney where there was one that was just a straight-up designed read option where he faked the handoff and he ran it like just like Colin Kaepernick back in the day, Yep, and he ran it for like 25 yards. But then there was another one. I think it was against the Colts, and the Colts designed a blitz. There was just a free-running linebacker coming – untouched, half the quarterbacks in the league, including Kirk, are just screwed, right? Just, oh, you're sacked. Daniel Jones just sprints out to the left and gains 15 or 20 yards. So who is going to keep an eye on him? And even if it's Kendricks or Hicks, I don't know that those guys have the speed anymore to do it. So I I worry that they're going to be stubborn and say, well, these are the veterans that got us here, and these are the veterans we're going to trust and believe in. Even Harrison Smith, like, he's been kind of banged up. He's 33 years old or whatever he is now. But you got to ride with Harrison. I would look to get Asamoah and Metellus some snaps creatively to just put some more speed on the field. But how they do that, we'll see. If your run
1: defense doesn't have a good day, you're screwed. Because Barkley, what I I think I said, had... uh, 22 touches in the game against the Vikings, but I believe he he only carried 14 times. I think that's going to go up. Uh the read option with Jones is a problem. The key to me is this. What do you do at linebacker to contain that? And here's the second part. Is it going to be Tonga time? Cuz if it's not Tonga time, if they can if they gash you, it's over. Tonga so like he plays a lot quite a few snaps. He does now. He I believe he starts now. He's the starter now mm-hmm. in the interior of that 3-4. So you are going to absolutely have to come up with a plan that works. The one thing I want to see from Ed in what could be his last game here, Godspeed if it is, uh, the one thing I want to see is if this defense is going to go down, go down being aggressive. Go down with a plan. If I see that man running a defense that is basically prioritizes, well, this works, I know it works. I will personally go down to the sideline and fire him myself. And I hope (laughs) Kevin O'Connell wouldn't allow that. Fired! I hope O'Connell wouldn't allow that. But honest to God, if we don't see them have a creative, aggressive plan, this passive crap
0: doesn't work. Agreed. Shell. What are you worried about? You're giving up tons of points and yards by being passive. I would rather see them get aggressive, get burned a couple times, maybe give up a couple touchdowns, but then force an extra turnover that they wouldn't have otherwise forced, or or force, you know, a big sack on a second or third down that changes a drive. Right? Yes. Fani chimes in here via the Scornorth app. How is this defense this bad with Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, Eric Kendricks, Pat P., Duke of Shelley, Harrison Smith? This is your question. I am just as confused and lost as many other Vikings fans. Can you guys do a PFF grade evaluation of the defense for the entire season? So here's the thing. I do have, I do have PFF open, but I believe they grade the players based on what they're being asked to do, right? So yeah. if you're being asked to play off coverage yep. and the and the off, let's say you're Patrick Peterson or you're, you're Duke of Shelley and you're playing five to eight yards off a receiver right. and that receiver catches a pass for nine yards and you make a tackle, you did your job. That guy, it was a boom. It was a quick hitting pass. You You tackled him without any yards after the catch. You're going to get a pretty good grade on that play because you did your job. But the mm-hmm. scheme, you playing off the ball by five yards or eight yards, what you were being asked to do, led to a completion of eight or nine yards, right? That's how, I mean, I'm just a, an idiot I with a microphone. I don't, I don't know what the inner workings are of PFF mm-hmm. necessarily, but I think that's what's happening. So they actually have, so they grade on a 1 to 100 scale, but 90 is like, like elite, elite players. Think Aaron Donald would be like a 90. An average player would be like a 60. Like a 60 to six, like 60 to 65 would be like a league average player, your total grade. Here are the Vikings defenders with a grade of at least sixty-eight or better. So, like considered to be above average defensive players. I'm probably overgeneralizing, but that's it. Uh Daniil Hunter, 86. Josh batellis played 260 snaps, 85. Zadarius, 82. Duke Shelley, 81. Patrick Peterson, 81, Brian Asamoah, 79, Tonga, 78, Dalvin Tomlinson, 77, Harrison Phillips, 72, Harrison Smith, 70. That's That's like it's 10 players. That's ridiculous. (laughs) And that's the worst, the second worst defense in the league. Now, they do have a couple guys, you know, for instance, um, Chandon Sullivan's been really bad. DJ Wanham's had a bad season. Jonathan Bullard's been bad. Cam Bynum's been pretty bad. Eric Kendricks has not been what he usually is. Patrick Jones, so there's a few guys that haven't really been great, but this screams like a scheme issue more than a player issue to me, anyways. Yeah, I think it
1: definitely is. I mean, again, I, I will go back to I would challenge you to find a season um that's comparable in the vikings time of pff grades to Daniil hunter season which is he's graded out consistently really well and there have been periods of time where i don't notice him now at first i think think that's a daniel hunter problem but when you see that grade something saying no it's really not it's a schematic problem and look Mm -hmm. i understand that donatel was brought here to run a scheme okay so like the starting point was O'Connell liked what Fangio did, knew that Donatel was now a disciple of Fangio and said, install that scheme because it's hard to play against. But at some point in time, the fact that Kevin O'Connell, and this is where I think Donatel's gone, the fact that Kevin O'Connell, after that second Detroit game, the loss against the Lions at Ford Field, had to had to go to Ed Donatel and say, here's how I would scheme against you, be less predictable. Guy. But I mean, that's okay. <laughs> The NFL is all about keeping things unpredictable. That's yeah. the whole. That's the whole course of this league. So yes, I I think that uh, Phil, you asked the question on Monday or Tuesday and said, "How is a defense that seemingly has some really good components, like several good components, this bad?" And yes, I think that it has been. I don't think Ed Donatel, other than when he's forced to, has ever maximized the players on this defense.
0: Yeah. It's it's kind of bizarre. Daniil Hunter, by the way, is second on the team in, I'm sorry, third on the team in stop tackles. So a stop would be, a stop tackle is defined as um, if you make a tackle that is a failure for the offense. So a successful play for the offense is if you get at least, I think it's 40% of the necessary yards on first down, 60% of the necessary yards on second down, or a conversion on third down. And conversely, if you're a defense and you tackle a player before they hit one of those marks, it would be a successful play for the defense. And Daniel Hunter, in addition to being top five or six in the NFL in um in pressures, was also excellent at just stopping, if it's a handoff through his you know general area, he's great at that too. Here's a funny thing. I don't really know what to make of this because the Vikings aren't the only team that will drop edge rushers into coverage once in a while and it doesn't happen that often right but Daniel Hunter and Darius Smith combined to drop into coverage 64 times this year so a few times a game one of those guys is dropping into coverage or both of them when quarterbacks threw at them which was only 10 times they were 10 for 10
2: <laughs> yeah. for
0: like 70 yards after the catch yep it's not that doesn't work. I just would say I get it once in a while to be tricky. You're going to drop a guy into coverage or something, but like Some Daniel way, Hunter yeah. shouldn't be dropping into coverage.
1: Well, and Zadarius Smith has had a bad knee for how long now? Like you can you can yeah. draw a line on on effective Zalarius, ineffective, yeah. and it's that. And, and he says he's fine, or I think he said that he heard it in Buffalo, and that now it's fine. We'll see. Uh, if it's fine, that should be a huge threat against and, the Giants.
0: And what's funny is Deniel has an eighty-four and a half out of a hundred coverage grade. So they're saying when he's asked to drop into coverage, yeah. which is thirty-one times, you know, they've only targeted him seven. So yeah. there's like twenty-four yeah. other plays in which he's doing a good enough job that they don't they don't throw at him. But I, so schematically, he's he's doing what he's supposed to do largely when he's in coverage. But I would argue, are those 31 coverage snaps better spent elsewhere doing, well, doing things like pass rushing and the
1: 31 and those, those 31 coverage snaps are only sort of a symptom of the problem. Like the problem goes so far beyond that because it's the use, it's the full-time use of guys. Um, it's why I am once the, the, uh, season is complete, Phil. Very excited to hear your list of seven candidates to replace Ed Donatel. It's burning a hole in my pocket. I know, and and it's killing you not to reveal (laughs) it, which is my favorite thing. I got a a text from Mackie, I think it was last Sunday, saying I've come up with a list of, of Seven potential replacements for Ed, and I've been I've been mashing draft film all weekend. <laughs> no,
0: I said, it's like the I said. I don't think done. I don't think we can unleash the seven candidates respectfully until the season's over, right? So, Correct. didn't
1: you say that you spent like all Saturday, like with a glass of wine and draft film?
0: I uh, my Saturday last weekend, large chunks of it was yeah, it was me putting together seven potential Ed Donatel replacements. And it was mostly studying, like, the five position groups the Vikings could look to target in the first round of the draft. You and they only have four draft picks. And I have for you guys, whenever the time is right, whenever the time is right, maybe it's, <laughs> hopefully it's not for another month. We'll see. Yep. 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 I have for you a handful of wide receivers, not just good wide receivers. There's a few of them. But downfield deep threat wide receivers that the Vikings Uh-oh. could target in this year's draft. I have a list Poor ready girl. to rock and roll. We everything. Yeah. And whenever <laughs> the time is right, we will do a weekly. And I, I won't, I won't unveil too many details yet, but we will do a weekly like draft speculation show that we think you guys are going to really enjoy. We're going to, so we something got
1: to the table is what you're
0: saying. So hopefully the Vikings play for another month. But if and when they bow out, yeah. we've got you covered right away on Purple Daily. Well, that's right, the, the next man. day. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right, let's keep it uh, keep it rolling here. In fact, this next question here on Feedback Friday is presented by our friends at Underdog Fantasy Decks. This is a great weekend, if you haven't dabbled, to jump into Underdog for the first time.
2: Yeah, you got NFL playoffs that are going on. My guy Alex sent me this 5 pick'em slip Judd, from an NHL parlay that he hit. We so had a little five pick slip for 600 bucks, taking hires and lowers took some hires on Kevin Fiala shots on over uh, under on McDavid goal. Phoenix casting. Copley. Yeah. a Phoenix Ooh. Copley play for God. Oh God, says. I love this
1: guy already. It's like a lower on
2: Martin Jones. He even took the higher on Cam Talbot. Cause why wouldn't you, you can do this at underdog <laughs> fantasy promo code score SKOR. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. If you want to get in on some super wild card weekend, some NHL picks, PGA Tours heating up a little bit. Old Dex Tweets was able to cash in some slips last weekend on that one. Go check out Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports.
0: Okay, Tim Mulgren asks this question. Now that it's been almost a year since Mike Zimmer was fired, what's one question you would ask Mike if you knew he had to answer it honestly?
1: Ooh, I love this. I absolutely love this question. Um, I would...
0: Oh boy, there's a there's a few here actually. There's a few questions here. I, I would wanna I'd wanna go back five years. I'd wanna know about Kirk. Yep. What mm-hmm. what was that what what was that, dude? Like you just you just didn't embrace. I wanna know more about why he and Kirk couldn't find a way to coexist. I wanna know more about that. What was I would, I would try to
1: ask Mike in a in in a more diplomatic way, at what point in time did you begin to hate this team? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it clearly was around the time of Kirk. So yeah. that, that played a role. But, I mean, you know, he went from through 2017 sort of being the crusty, old, gritty coach. But the players seemed to, to a certain point for sure, gravitate towards it. But on your way out the door, when Eric Kendricks, who's, don't get me wrong, he's done a a lot of good, but when it comes to football, he says almost nothing. When Eric Kendricks basically calls it a culture of fear or fear-based culture, um, he clearly hated you by by the end. And I think Mike reciprocated that. So I would be very curious to know, like, where did it cross the line from, these are my guys, I'm tough on them, but it works, to, I basically can't stand this team.
0: Yeah, interesting. What would you ask him, Dex? Uh,
2: da, 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 da. There, there's a lot I'd like, to, I'd like to ask him. But I would say I actually would love to know more about the infamous game where he had to miss because of his eye surgery and mm. Prefer had to coach. Uh, I believe that was a Thursday night football game against Dallas the Dallas Cowboys in the inaugural year fun. at U.S. Bank, yep. um, which, by the way, the Vikings got hosed on on a, on a last-second call um, it, at, in the re, in the red zone, I believe um i would want to know how what were what like just what would what was that day like having to basically not watch the game i think he said he literally couldn't watch it Like he had to listen to the radio call because he was so he was so obviously power hungry that he wanted to watch it but he couldn't i want to know like his emotions on that more Hmm. didn't they drive him down to
0: jacksonville or something for the next game they like drove him Um, him, because he couldn't fly right and i
1: think the day of, of the surgery or around the time of that uh, Cowboys game, which I think was, I think in the morning he, he had the procedure done or on Wednesday, uh, I believe because of that retina surgery, he had to be face down. We so couldn't oh, watch yeah. the game. Cause I think you have to lie face down and, and your, you know, face is in like some type of holder so that you can breathe. Um, and yeah, he had to listen to the call, but, uh, and the day that Teddy got hurt, I'd love to go yeah, back now on that day. That would be a great oral history type of story now about like that whole day, what transpired, who did what. Yeah. um, And like, how much did that just change things ultimately in, in such a huge way from what the vision had been.
0: Right. And if Teddy had not blown out his knee, I mean, he's a different, he's a different player because of it. Right. Oh yeah. You know, what would he have been more than just kind of a, a backup, he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, yep. right? But he's not He's not going to be a long-term star. What would he have been without that injury? It's a miracle so. he came back at mm-hmm. all. So, yeah, you're right about that. Let's see here. Uh, Allen has a prediction. I, I think this has to be off the record, Allen, because we only take on-the-record predictions during Write That Down. But this is an interesting one. Yeah. He says the 2023 starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions will be Tom Brady. Going back to back to the state of Michigan, no. Play for Dan Dan Campbell. The Raiders make a lot of sense. Jared Goff in 2023 probably better than Tom Brady, like a forty right, forty six year old Tom Brady. Yeah. Or Jared Goff coming off like the second best year of his career. It sounds crazy to say that, but
1: unless Brady um, privately hates McDaniel's, Vegas makes a
2: ton of sense for Tom Brady.
0: It does. Those two guys seem to work well together.
2: Do, they, do you revisit the whole Miami thing? I mean, if Tua's going to not be able to play quarterback... Like... I don't know. That's a interesting question. I'm not sure the league would allow that
1: now. Like yeah, because they, they got... They got, got, got first-round draft got pick nipped. taken away. Yeah, I don't know that the league... I think the league might have said, don't even talk to him again. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. Um, And then Matt Hanson says, with the playoffs about to start, I wonder... I was wondering what team other than the Vikings you would like to see win the Super Bowl and what team would you despise seeing win so outside of the Vikings
1: I think I'd like to see the Bengals win it Burrow is just so much fun um I'd like to see the Bengals win it as far
0: as despise Eagles I would I Cowboys fans are so despicable the Cowboys the Cowboys haven't won anything in like 30 years though
1: but I don't like the Cowboys they just do nothing for me. I don't like them. They get so much attention, and it's not deserved, really. Like, they get attention because they're in Dallas. Yeah. But, yes, okay. yeah, Okay. The Buffalo Bills, if,
0: if it can't be the Vikings, I would say the Buffalo Bills finally getting their first. Stephon Diggs getting a title.
2: Yep. Yeah. The stuff that happened on Monday night a couple weeks ago. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I would probably say the Bills. Yeah, I like the, I like the Bengals a lot. I think the Bengals will be fun to see. Um, the Bucs, it would bore me. Like, if Brady does it again, like, it does nothing for me. I'm sick of but Brady. But this team, though, that would oh, be Oh, God, insane. yeah, he'd be,
1: dra- he'd be dragging a dead horse across the finish line, dude.
0: You know, if, if he would win, I, people might start to consider him the greatest quarterback of all time if he could drag this team to a championship. Would this be, like, his seventh? Eighth? Eighth, right? He had six in New England. The one in Tampa, this would be his right eighth championship. It's ridiculous. God. Oh, man. So, and the Lions. That's, how, that's my answer. If the Lions could somehow sneak their way back into the class,
1: your love for the Lions is the really eighth
0: best team in the NFL. You guys the disrespect. The line. Disrespect. I dismissed them by the end. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's turn our attention to the baseball team here. They splashed around and found a Carlos Correa for $200 million to play shortstop this week. There's been a bunch of trade rumors. Let's start with this one from Noah Welch on YouTube. Luis Arise doesn't hit many home runs. Okay, well, we set the Major League record for home runs in 2019 and got bounced in a matter of days in the playoffs. Arise grinds out at bats. He's a spark plug, and he gives you many quality at bats. Come on, Twins. They're overthinking this with some of the Luis Arise, like trade him for a starting pitcher, rumors that are out there. So I'll take Noah's comment and ask you guys, how would you feel if the Twins traded Luis Ariz for a pitcher? Should they be shopping Luis Ariz?
1: I don't think it's a terrible idea to shop him. I don't, but I to what uh, Dug said, I think I would want more than what they're currently trying to get. Here's my thought, okay? My and it's not twi- not quite a conspiracy because I think if you connect the pieces of the reporting puzzle, it actually makes some sense. I think they're trying to get Lopez from Miami and are probably willing to trade Arise so that they can turn around and trade Gray. Because they've got three guys, three starting pitchers who are going to be pending free agents unless signed to extensions. Maeda, who you're not going to trade right now. Uh, Mally, who you're not going to trade right now because of concerns about their health. And Gray. And so I think the end game here is, is to try to trade Gray. So I don't like how this is shaking out. And the other thing too is arise is not only a really valuable bat. He's a valuable guy because of the versatility. And it's not like you don't have injury problems. Like we can say, well, the new trainer is going to be great. Okay. But they've said that before. And so like like the
0: fifth time we've done this with the trainer, they
1: fired Dick Martin, like in the late nineties or early two thousands, they're always like, we got a new trainer and
2: you should see this
1: guy athletic trainer. So, um, my reaction is, I certainly understand making trades. Kepler, for sure, should be shopped. I would hang on to Arise. I would not be as eager as they appear, Dex, to trade Luis Arise.
2: I consider for the right piece, for sure. Pablo Lopez is a good pitcher. He's, he's an above-average quality pitcher. He's 27. Um, but I probably need something more than Pablo Lopez for Luis Arise. I probably needed something. Uh, I need, I need a next level pitcher for Luis Arise. Here's where I'm at with this. All right. I, I do think,
0: I do think Arise probably showed you his peak last year. He's not, he's not a power guy. He's not really an amazing defender and you're kind of like putting his glove at first base. And if you, if you then compare his offense to other first basemen, obviously the power is way, way, way down the list. And, so his bat is less valuable because he's playing first base. If he could be a starting second base, but, but he's not a great defender. And they got Jorge Blanco at second. If, then they've got on the left side, you got Carlos Correa, you got Miranda, you got Royce Lewis coming down the pipe. So where he plays is a question. And if he plays first base, it just devalues him as a player. So I'll grant you that, that maybe we've maybe this is a good time to sell high on him. But he is a really good hitter in an era where I think we've gone so far off the deep end with strikeouts don't matter. Well, they're automatic outs, so they do matter to some extent. He puts the ball in play, and he does start rallies, and he's constantly on base. So he is very valuable. He's also only 25 years old, and he's under team control for like three more seasons. So he's a really cheap asset for you even if you don't sign into an extension he's just like a really cheap good player for three more seasons if you're looking to trade him for let's let's face it like a number three starting pitcher a mid-rotation guy what does that say about six years of lack of pitching development internally i I just think Mm -hmm. the only reason why you're considering trading him is because you've done a bad job developing pitchers internally if you had five or six guys ready to rock as number two, number three starters internally, or God forbid, a number one starting ace, you would never consider trading Luis Arise right now, unless you thought some team was going to overpay for his services. Yep. So I feel like they've kind of created this mess with their lack of starting pitching development. And they've got a few guys that are interesting coming through the pipeline. I don't know that they have a ready made number one or number two starter ready to pop outside of maybe Joe Ryan. Um, so it just kind of feels like they're they're digging a hole deeper because of their failure to develop pitching, and that's why the Arise stuff has popped up. So I'd like to keep Arise unless the team blows me away yeah. with something better than a number three starting pitch. If we're talking about like Arise in a package for uh the other dude in Miami, like the actual number one starter. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well us have yeah. a conversation. Yes, but, if I package him with Kepler and a prospect and get a true one, that's a different discussion. Yes. Uh but if I may if I may for one second play the the role of a Twins MD, Twins doctor, Twins chief of staff. Um I'm going to tell you right now the M- MRI that scares me is not the shortstop, it's the second baseman, Polanco. I think Polanco's ankle and leg is an issue. It has been for 2 years and look, to his credit, he plays through it. But this is a weird team because they do not really um, they don't value guys that play through pain as, as much as some teams because they're itching to sit them. So, like, Polanco's tough, but let's just get past tough for a second. Polanco's had a couple of years now where this has become a concern and has cost him games at times. And Arise is a plug-and-play guy at second, ideally. So I just don't – I don't think this team has a track record of health enough to take depth for granted.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the other thing though. If I don't know that, if if you were to put Arise at a different position, I don't know that. I just don't think he's got a great glove. He also made a couple. Remember, like a couple years ago, he
2: made a a boneheaded play. Yeah, was, game. it was like. What was the playoff game in, in, was it Houston or New York? I thought it was not even the New York game. No, it was the Astros game. Cause well, we Polanco about made it a boneheaded, P- Polanco
0: threw sailed the ball into the outfield against the Astros. Oh, that,
2: that's yeah.
1: what I'm thinking of then. Right. Arise well, did New York, something he fell, else. He fell down because he was playing hurt and, and his ankle gave out yeah. in New York. Yeah. And but. they started him and he like basically just fell down.
0: In general, though, if you're looking to trade one of your best hitters right. who's 25 years old under team control for three cheap seasons because you can't find a number three starting pitcher internally fired? at this point. Are you fired? You're fired! <laughs> All right, TJ Voigt chimes in here via the Score North app. I'm very surprised about how optimistic you guys have been about the Carlos Correa signing. They ended up paying about $40 million more than the next highest bidder on a six-year contract for a player that was deemed damaged goods by two other more competent organizations. Do you really think this will work out for the twins given their history? I guess my question back to you, TJ is I, and I acknowledge everything you just said is accurate. They did pay a $40 million tax. Basically like the, the tax for Korea to choose Minnesota over the Mets was an extra $40 million on a six year contract. Mm -hmm. And you did have two other medical staff say we're definitely not doing a 13 year deal or a 10 year deal. We could talk about a 6 year deal but at this price point, right? So major red flags. But my question back would be what what are they supposed to do? Like what what it's they haven't won a playoff game since 2004. They had the lowest attendance at Target Field non-pandemic in history since the ballpark was constructed. Like this franchise is beige paint on a wall they have to do something like what, if you didn't sign Correa and overpay for Correa potentially and take a risk on him. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else they were going to do to be relevant in the next two to three years. Like pray that Buxton can play 150 games for the first time. I, I don't know. Risks man. are us, man. Risks are us. Buxton, give him a contract. Correa Malley, contract. Malley, just agreed. He just Paddock agreed to avoid him. arbitration Dyson, today.
1: You bring your catch knuckles here. And it turns out you're a jerk. Um, I would, say that the twins are in this case like this whole Korea thing isn't if you really think about it super palatable like it's not it doesn't it doesn't go down tasting like a surly okay scott boris brought him back here as the third choice and then at the press conference make no mistake this didn't get pointed out enough frontally bitched and moaned the entire time about the fact that he had to be there because he kept saying the medical community screwed us That that is code for the Giants and Mets were our choices, and we got screwed. Um, Being a Twins fan is difficult. I'm going to tell you this right now. Following this team is difficult. When you're trading for guys who are actively hurt, when you are – like the Buxton contract is a great contract, but you basically – Buxton and Correa are akin potentially to taking time bombs. You never know when they're going to blow up, and I don't mean in a good way at the plate. So the point is a great one. But I'm just going to say, being a sports fan in this town, and I think being a fan of the twins in particular right now, it's difficult.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a damned if you do, because, yeah, there's a huge risk here that other teams are saying his ankle is a ticking time bomb. And the twins are saying, eh, it might be, but whatever. <laughs> hey, we, Doc, need, we need him for six years. MRI. <laughs> Hold on. I'm
1: not going to put down my Juicy Loosey and assess it. Looks good to me. <laughs>
0: it's uh it's it's the least relevant this franchise has been probably since they moved into the new ballpark they had a dormant ooh. stretch there of like four or five ah, years, but ooh. the ballpark was still fresh they were still drying they were still i think the first because they got really bad the second year at target field right and they stayed bad for like four more years right but the ballpark kind of it was it was so new and fresh and fun yeah. and they still put you know 30,000 people in that stadium, they almost had a grace period. Now that the new ballpark shine has worn off and people aren't just going to see the new concession stands as often, this might be the least relevant they've been. And this this move to sign Correa, albeit risky, it's it's their way of kind of pushing back on that lack of relevance, right? And trying to trying to gain some more footing.
1: And would, would you prefer to see a ticking time bomb, but a star player or Kyle Farmer at shortstop?
0: Right. Yeah. They were fully prepared to to go with the ladder there for. Oh, yeah. Until about Monday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Cody has a beef with Declan here. Cody says he was watching the, the live stream reaction on the Scornorth YouTube channel, Mackie and Judd podcast. He says, this is for Declan. I am a devout listener. I remember when Correa signed with San Francisco a month ago or agreed with San Francisco and Declan said he needed a break from the team for not keeping Carlos. He said he was gaslit by the Twins, and the Twins were used for a summer fling, etc. He went into detail live on the podcast about this and other things Correa-related. Now he's saying getting Correa on a very team-friendly contract doesn't excite him at all? I get the Twins' frustration. I have been upset over the years as well. But you can't sit here as a Minnesota fan and say you're not excited about having a superstar shortstop sign here long-term. This never happens for the twins.
2: Okay, so Correa is a good player, which I have. That, that part's fine. My issue is, as I explained to you guys when we did this emergency episode earlier this week, is there was no backup plan. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to run this back. They're going to say, look, here's our prize acquisition. Here's Here's the superstar shortstop that was here before. Come watch him. He's only going to play in 125 games. We're going to run out the same rotation again. It's gaslighting at its finest. I, I was in a, I, I'm in a Slack chat with all my high school friends and, and they were breaking down. Look at this lineup. Does this lineup look so good? Is this what we're gonna do? Because we're gonna well, look at up it, right? and down. Who's in it, right? Because
0: Kirilov's wrist is hanging by a thread. Exactly. I need to it's, know. I need to know it's more.
2: It's the ifs. It's the ands. It's the butts. It's the gaslighting. And there was no backup plan. So you got Correa, which was great. But you got him at the thirteenth hour after every other option out there to improve your pitching staff, improve other things on the team is gone. And then if you want to improve yourself still on that pitching side or in those holes where you need to improve yourself. You have to trade your prospects, and that's what something I want to see this team do if they can do that for the right pieces, by the way, not the damaged goods of Chris Paddock or Tyler Malley, then that's a different conversation, and I will applaud them but i I, I won't get super excited about a team that's basically running the same team back that was fifteen games below five hundred for the last four months of the season yeah i so i'm I'm more excited
0: than Declan is, even though I also am equally frustrated with this franchise, but the crazy thing is to your point. to use a poker analogy, they had like a two-outer on the river. They literally needed like, okay, there's two jacks left in the deck. We need one of them to spike on the last card. The only way we win this hand is if a 1-in-50 shot or whatever hits on the last card. And that's what happened here. What would this all look like? What would the subsequent moves be from now until spring training if he had signed a six-year deal with the Mets instead? And that I agree with that frustration. There's been a lot of this front office has had a lot of missteps in the last two or three years. And if it wasn't for the luck factor of these physicals going awry, and then this kind of coming back in their laps, what team were they going to trot out in 2023? Right. Kyle Farmer team. So they were, they, they were that close to just being even less relevant because they put all their eggs in the Carlos Correa basket. So I feel that too. But, you know, now it's back to a lot of ifs, right? And if if the ifs happen, if Buxton, if Correa health-wise, if Kirilov, if Royce Lewis, if these pitchers, if you check off a lot of these ifs, this will be a really good team. But it's it's a lot of ifs.
1: Their inability to develop, and just as importantly at key uh, times, acquire pitching, especially bullpen help, though, I gotta see him do it. I gotta see him like actually do it. I gotta see him trade for guys that aren't hurt. I've got to see them uh, make that big splash trade that they refused to make in 2019, and instead said ah, Dyson and Romo. Just wait till you see them. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm very, very, very skeptical about the baseball acumen here. They've done some good things, but I'm very, I'm, but I'm skeptical. Jury is jury is out, and look. Scott Boris running the team does not qualify as the <laughs> twins get. You know, when, uh, when Scott referred to Carlos as assistant G- GM, that, that was that oh was code for I've got you by you know what. How about the, that? He's the assistant GM. He literally
0: and he was Scott kind Boris. of joking, but not really. Not no, really. he wasn't.
1: No, it's very clear <laughs> that Carlos has told them what they need to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's very it's it's very it's very clear that this is This is a Boris Correa production. You know, I love this whole thing of, well, Derek stayed in contact, Derek stayed in contact. I'm sure he did, but I'm sure it was Scott that told Derek to make that clear.
0: PYTube777 on YouTube chimes in here and says, if the Twins don't win a championship in these six years of Correa's contract, it's all for nothing. I'll phrase it into a question here and say, what what does need to happen in the next six years? Winning a playoff game. Step one. Absolutely right. I, I would say winning a playoff game this year. Well yeah, it's more teams accelerate. get in than anybody go win a freaking playoff game right now. Let's forget um
1: Correa's six to what potentially ten year contract. Let's talk about what needs that to happen here in the next few years for in Joe Polad's eyes for Falvey and Levine to stay here. Because I, I think that's the that's the ticking clock as far as who stays.
0: Well, for like, you. If Carlos that, that clock ain't ticking yeah, I agree internally. Um if That clock is not ticking I, internally. I, I agree if, with Phil. If
1: it, if attendance continues to be bad, if this team continues, uh Dude, I'm not so sure. Dude, they kept
0: Terry Ryan, the same family kept Terry Ryan employed for like twenty
2: years.
1: I agree. But um hopefully perhaps Joe is not as patient. But there's a lot of business things here, guys, that if they continue and I look, I hear <laughs> what you guys are saying, and I don't I don't fundamentally disagree from what we've seen so that would need to change but when you consider this attendance with carlos correa on your team was terrible that's impressively bad you fell you were in first place in a division that you know just to be clear i'll speak slowly sucked you fell (laughs) apart that's bad your television contract when that is the heart and soul that that's the heartbeat of your financial stability in lots of ways is up in one year And just having Correa back ain't going to get you a big contract. It's going to need to be, we showed marked improvement. So I'm just saying, from a business standpoint, Joe Polad and the Polads need to understand that unless there is legitimate reason for excitement and optimism, and I don't mean trying to, as Declan says, gaslight, um, just from a business standpoint, at some point in time, something's got to give. And that's before six
2: years. And and to Judd's point, you know, maybe... (laughs) maybe they are taking necessary steps there. You know, they signed, re-signed Carlos Correa. They are updating both the video boards at target field to try to enhance stadium experience. But at the end of the day, if if you really want to change the image, it's not running back the same thing. And the same thing that they've been doing for 25 years. They, th- those are, you're talking about, you, you would like to see internal changes from top down, everything from executives to down to ballpark presentation, to everything involved. And To Mackey's point, they've never really shown the necessary steps to make significant changes like
0: that. Well, the front office change from Terry Ryan to now Thad Levine and Derek Falvey was a huge change, like a 180-degree change. They revamped the entire internal scouting department in terms like they – they didn't revamp the whole scouting department, but they brought in a lot more people to fortify with analytics, and they they went from being this sort of archaic – 10 years behind the times franchise from a baseball ops standpoint to being toward the front of the line. And in some ways I think that's actually hurt the organization too. They're so reliant on decisions. They make at two o'clock in the afternoon, as opposed to leaving some room for, you know, uh, a gut check from your manager and field staff. But yeah, the whole thing they've made some big changes, but there's just a staleness about it because they haven't made a run in the playoffs because, you know, even think about like 10, 15 years ago, all right, I'm gonna. I'm thinking about going to a Twins game on a Friday night, and uh, you know, Metrodome even 2006 or 2009, and there was a lot of box office guys that you might want to see. Right, you go see Johan Santana pitch, go see Francisco Liriano pitch, Mar- go see Mar-no. Joe Mauer, Justin Morneau, Tori Hunter. Like they had box office attract, like local box office attractions. Right now, I think Carlos Correa is, but obviously the ticket sales didn't spike last year. Byron Buxton is, but you don't know if he's gonna play and he and he doesn't play in half the games. Yeah. Do they have any pitchers right now of the fifteen pitchers they're gonna have on their oh. roster at any given time that you would pay oh, money no. to go see?
2: Judd and they I don't. sat Jed and I oh. sat through a monsoon to watch Shohei Otani pitch in September. We literally yeah. sat and we, we actually well, up getting kinda of, we had we a couple too many drinks at the bar, but but still <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest pitching draw that we were looking yes. forward to. It wasn't Joe yes. Ryan or Bailey Ober. no, no way. Well, and they have to know this too. Slapping
1: a new coat of paint on that place every year is not going to draw people like the scoreboard. Okay, now we're in for the scoreboard. Now we put a now yeah. we put some artificial turf beyond right field so that kids can play on a horse or something. That's not going to draw. Folks, and the other a, thing, too, a is... A deep
0: playoff run to get people emotionally yes. invested, that's how you do it.
1: And when they were bad in the Metrodome, of course, attendance plummeted. But keep in mind, too, tickets then were cheap. Like, for what you're charging people now to go to a ball game to drink, you know, $16 craft beers, you need to be winning baseball games. And that includes playoff games. And until you can consistently prove that you are a contender to do so, people aren't going to buy in. You know how many people next season are going to show up because of the scoreboard?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm you yeah, know, I'm just it's a, a I mean, it, some big scoreboard it, aficionados out it's there. A pipe the dream. My show up.
2: Big darktronic fan. You know, just just love the <laughs> scoreboards. Love to go all around the Midwest. They do a great job. It's a pipe dream. <laughs> so yeah, I think I I'm I'm curious.
0: I, I I think Correa will be fine with his ankle for a few years, but they need to. It, you don't. You don't win people over with a press conference in january you win and, and hell you don't win people over with a hot start in april cuz that can go away quickly as we saw last year yep you win people over in october that's how a generation of fans got hooked in the late 80s early 90s that's how my generation of fans and maybe declan's got hooked in 2002 cuz they went to the ALCS mm-hmm. came out of nowhere in 2001 a likable group of players and and Now it's 10 years. They need that. And it can't just be like, oh, you want a fun regular season game in April. It's got to be October success to some extent.
1: The 88 Twins drew 3 million fans all summer into an indoor stadium. It wasn't because it was a good stadium.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, And then one more here for the day here. Nick Howard chimes in via the Score North app. This offseason, Judd Reviews Wrestling needs to come back as a segment. So sure. we're definitely gonna bring back movie reviews once the football season's over. We've got a list of big wrestling moments historically. Judd Zlogad, not a wrestling fan at all. We uh we make I him review and explain from his perspective some of the biggest moments in professional wrestling history.
1: So we we did that for what, about a, a month and a half period? I don't think it was that long yeah. that we did that. I did did I do the uh Montreal screw job?
0: Yeah, yes you, you did. did. You did yeah, the screw I job, the you did the pipe I bomb. Oh, uh, pipe, pipe, bomb? pipe bomb was good. Yeah, yeah. I did the pipe better. bomb. We'll get a few more in there for yeah. you. Yeah, because I
1: I think the pipeline was where I learned about but the, the difference between what is it, an act and a work or
0: a work and a something. A shoot, a, a work shoot. and a, a shoot. shoot and a, yeah. Yeah. A shoot would be something that's real. A work is something that is scripted. Yep. Sometimes you have what's called a worked shoot. Yes. Which is, hey, we're gonna get we're we're gonna script that you will go out there with a microphone. So we all know that you're gonna go do this, but we don't know what you're gonna say, and it's gonna be a little real. You blend. Or the lines, Yeah. And then Vince gets mad and then sells the sells the WWE to the Saudis, which hasn't happened officially yet, but Greg Norman will run it. Dude, actually the con family that owns one of the soccer teams uh, and they own the Jaguars and they own AEW, the biggest competitor to WWE. They have enough money. And there's a CNBC report that they are pursuing a merger, which would really just be like, they would buy it. They would, what, oh, if, what, wow. if the, what if the cons come in the biggest rival right now at the WWE and they offer by far the biggest offer would Vince McMahon be able to set his ego and pride aside
2: That's and take the biggest offer to sell off
0: to a competitor?
2: Oh my God. I mean, it, it would juicy. be epic and it'd be an insane. I mean, Judd from your old media beat days, this would be a great TV story too. Cause obviously USA network and Comcast has been in charge of, you know, WWE for a long time obviously now AEW's back on TNT and Turner, just like WCW was. Right. So now you're talking about two networks going head to head with consistent five day a week programming. Like those, I was listening to a podcast yesterday where Dave Meltzer was talking about it and was saying, you know, those aren't what they used to be, but it's consistent and it's reliable viewership for those networks that they can just say, hey, even if the ad insertion and the advertisement doesn't reach for, for those programs, it is consistent and it's five days a week and I know what I'm getting out of it. It could be also a great TV war debacle to watch play out too. Yeah, who
1: who gets the rights
2: then? That's like, well. Merch. So the,
0: so there's two discussions right now with WWE. There's the the rights. Are, so they have media rights with USA, and then they have media rights for their la, their library and their like pay per views with okay. Peacock. Um, so those rights are coming up, I think. But over the top of that, Vince is looking to potentially just sell the whole company. So there's all, this is a it's so great. very interesting time. To so be what, what became
1: thing. of their uh, website?
0: Did WWE they Network. It? They just, yeah. they rolled it into Peacock.
1: Oh, they did. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. They took their entire See? catalog of everything and all their pay-per-views and they rolled it right into Peacock. Like, Did they sell it
1: to Peacock then?
0: No, Peacock, essentially, it's just like any other rights deal. It's just like the NBA with ESPN or. Okay. The, the WWE has licensed. It's like a two-year, three-year deal. Yeah. Has licensed to Peacock NBC. It's great. Their entire Brilliant. catalog and
2: uh, and like the fourteen pay-per-view. Events. I have I have Peacock not for the NBC shows, but for the WWE Network. That is the main purpose I have I Peacock for. Yeah, it's pretty great. So, so we might
0: have to bring that back. Get Judd to to break down some old some old wrestling stuff. All right, that is your feedback Friday here on Mackie and Judd. Don't forget there is a playoff game this weekend. And Vikings vent line will be live on the Purple Daily YouTube channel right after Vikings Giants finishes up, and hopefully not a moment earlier because the only two or three times we've gone live early is when the Vikings. No, we're are not their going, asses We're not going, going we're live not going during live. a playoff game. We'll are you going live early at halftime? I
1: don't care if it's thirty-three nothing at halftime. We're not going live, and I'm staying at the damn stadium. <laughs>
0: all right, all right. See you guys.